0: Now, the series we are transitioning into this morning, as has been mentioned, is connected to what we professed earlier, the Apostles' Creed. Now, some of you have been raised in church traditions or part of church traditions where reciting the Creed was fairly common. And like me, you may be pretty excited about this series. But others of you may have been part of church traditions that reject the use of creeds and confessions in worship, and so you might be a little nervous this morning. That's way too Catholic, or that's way too Presbyterian. You may be familiar with an expression, no creed but the Bible, which if you profess that is a creed in and of itself, just so you know, (laughs) not found in the pages of Scripture. So so for those of you that may be wondering, especially since we profess faith in the Catholic Church, the Holy Catholic Church, we are not becoming Roman Catholic. And, And we do not think of the Apostles' Creed as having any authority in and of itself. See, there was no church council or political gathering of church leaders that developed this statement of faith. The Apostles' Creed was not even written by the Apostles, This was a grassroots profession that surfaced within the church. It became clear this was a concise and helpful summary of what a Christian places his or her faith in. So, all the creed points to, or excuse me, so the creed points to scripture or summarizes scripture, but it is not equal to scripture. The church has used it as a tool or guide for at least 1,500 years to help new or old Christians understand core doctrines of the Christian faith and, and to help us reject false teaching. So we are, we are not preaching the Apostles' Creed. We are using it as a guide to preach through various topics core to who we are as Christians. So as we begin our, our series, we're, we're going to first consider the, the, the initial two words of the creed this morning, I believe. And we're going to ask, what does it mean to profess, I believe, as a Christian? We're going to think through characteristics of Christian belief and what it means to be united with other Christians in that belief. To get there, it may be helpful to consider other creeds or alternative statements of faith that many use today in the broader culture. I am the captain of my own ship. Or my body, my choice, are creeds expressing, I determine who I am. I determine what's right from wrong for me. Statements like, just do it. Or, you only live once, express, I need to make sure I accomplish everything on my bucket list. Ultimate life and meaning and purpose is found on this earth. Those are secular creeds that are focused on self. Some religious creeds actually do the same. Think about God helps people who help themselves. That is a statement of faith indicating, I am responsible for the outcome of my life for earning God's favor and God's blessing. One of the things you'll notice as you glance at the words of the creed, after those initial words, I believe, there really is no reference to self. I do this, or I do that, or even I'm changed in this way, although we'll see in the series ahead that what I believe transforms how I act. The creed is vertically oriented expressing faith in the works of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It is declaring, as a Christian, I do not have an inward orientation. I reject autonomy and self-reliance. This makes biblical Christianity unique. Rather than me being the source of hope for a meaningful life, rather than me earning standing with God, My source of hope is the work of God. So many of you are likely familiar with the expression, there is no I in team. In light of the creed rejecting a focus on self, our big idea this morning is, there is no I in what I believe. To help us understand what the creed is saying about belief, there are lots of passages in the pages of Scripture that describe such belief. But one of the best that was read earlier is Hebrews chapter 11. It is a passage that may be well known to many of you. Some call it the Hebrews' hall of faith. Over the course of 40 verses, the author describes the faith of God's people illustrates it by holding up a number of examples in the lives of individuals while making the point God's people live by faith in something other than self. I wanted us to read it all, but for the sake of time. We're just limiting our focus to the first 16 verses. To that end, if you have a Bible or Bible app, open it up to Hebrews 11, beginning with verse 1. Here's what the Scripture says. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by this our ancestors were approved. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. So the author of Hebrews is identifying the foundation of faith for God's people is not focused on self. It is focused outwards and it is focused upwards. Faith is trusting in God's character and God's promises. It is not something I entirely see or understand. This doesn't mean faith is irrational or denies evidence or is anti-science or even that the characteristics of God are not visible. What the author of Hebrews is saying, rather than trust in earthly circumstances— Rather than trust in my individual abilities, living by faith means I am trusting in something external to me. I am trusting in the character of God and his promises as revealed in the pages of Scripture. So the Apostles' Creed details such belief. It describes statements about God and his character. He is almighty. He is creator. This is what we affirm. We reject, I am almighty. I am creator. In recognizing the brokenness of the world, how it's fallen and fragile and frail, I reject that I am the redeemer of what is broken. I affirm the redeemer came in the person of the Trinity named Jesus Christ. And where he has come and things have not yet been made right, I affirm Christ will return. I also affirm the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is making all things new. I reject that making everything right is my work. That's not my job. In professing the creed, I look upward. I have a vertical orientation. I express belief in God's character and God's promises. So in believing in the works and ways of a great God... I trust in that great God rather than believe in the works and ways of a small self. This is the nature of a Christian creed or biblical belief. We surrender faith in self. We are not looking to individual efforts as what offers hope to self or hope to the world. We look to something much bigger than self. Here's the Apostle Paul urging individuals to have this type of faith in the 10th chapter of the book of Romans. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Paul's saying for you and I to to experience what it means to be right with God, as the apostle Paul says, to be saved, we don't do community service. We don't attend church 10,000 Sundays. We don't help thousands of old ladies cross the street. Being made right with God is a matter of belief. Belief that Jesus is Lord, he is master, he is God, and belief in what he has done. He died on the cross for my sins. God raised him in victory over the power of sin and death. It is not my action that saves me. I place my trust in something other than self. There is no I in what I believe. The Apostle Paul, the author of Hebrews, the Apostles Creed. Now, none of them are saying belief is about what I know. If that were the case, I would be professing faith in knowledge that I have accumulated, There is an I in what I know. The creed begins, I believe. Beyond knowledge being more about me, there are lots of things that you and I know that we do not believe. We know, many of us know, exercise most days of the week, that is healthy for our bodies. Uh, We know it is not good to eat table sugar, at least not good for our bodies in the amount we tend to eat. There are lots of things you and I know that do not change the way we live. I know it, but I don't believe it. I believe it's better for me to kick back and relax. Uh -uh, It's better for me to be able to eat whatever I want to eat, whenever I want to eat it. Knowledge does not necessarily transform how I live. What I believe in does. A disposition that only focuses on engaging the mind, but misses the heart and hands, is not biblical belief. So while there is no I in what I believe, what I believe has implications for how I live. What I believe in as an individual, it transforms my view of self. It transforms my view of others. It transforms my view of the world. It transforms the way I experience and relate to reality. You see this play out in a number of the individuals listed in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Noah builds an ark. By faith, Abraham set out to live in a new land he had not seen. By faith, Sarah acted out... Uh, 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 of a belief she could have children at a very old age. Here's the author describing the faith of a man named Abel in verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts, and even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. As an individual who trusted in God's character and God's promises, Abel offered to God a sacrifice. The author says a better sacrifice than a man named Cain. Now, the writer doesn't say why it was better. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, you know Abel's sacrifice involved produce from the land, some type of fruit or vegetable. Cain's sacrifice involved killing an animal. Perhaps Abel's sacrifice demonstrated trust in God to give the growth, where Cain's sacrifice reflected trust in self. That's not clear. But what is? Abel acted out of a belief of trust in his God. The, The writer of Hebrews is making the point the actions of individuals demonstrate what he or she believes in. If I believe God is creator, that forms how I view myself. That forms how I view others. That forms how I view nature. So that plays out in how I look at myself in the mirror or how I look at myself in pictures that have been taken. As I interact with others, because I believe that others were made in God's image, I treat them with dignity and honor even when they do not act in dignified and honorable ways. What I believe in forms the foundation for my mood when taking a hike in the mountains or the woods. As I consider Jesus and his work in the world, when I trust that he is redeeming broken sinners like me, I experience freedom from guilt and condemnation. While there is no I in what I believe. What I believe in transforms and changes how I live. Some of you have heard an example from pastor and author Paul Tripp that illustrates how actions are very much connected to what we believe, right or wrong. I've highlighted this illustration previously in book groups and within First City Students, so if you've heard it before, I apologize for the redundancy. To to make this point, there's a connection between what we believe and how we act. Tripp tells a story about one of his sons, Darnay, who three years old at the time. His three-year-old, he gets hit in the forehead by one of his brothers, and this is the scene that plays out. Darnay fell to the ground, bleeding profusely. While his sister functioned as an ambulance siren, his brother anxiously pled his innocence, you know, he's the one who hit him and I mopped away the blood to determine the extent of his injury, Darnay lay quietly, utterly at peace. I noticed his lips were moving, so I bent down, put my ear near his mouth, and heard him say to himself over and over again, I'm just so glad my daddy is a doctor. Darnay knew that his daddy had a doctor in front of his name, and he occasionally made appointments with people. See, Tripp is a counselor, he has a PhD, but he's not a medical doctor. To him, to him, to Darnay, that, that meant daddy must be a medical doctor. But when I heard him whispering those words, my thought was, you're in deep trouble because that's not the kind of doctor I am. Darnay's beliefs about his daddy were connected to his actions. In the midst of chaos and pain, his beliefs in the character of his father served to help him remain calm and collected. So as you think about your actions, what do they reveal about what you believe? Every single one of us, whether we profess to be a Christian or an atheist or an agnostic, has beliefs that form the foundation of how we act and how we live. And it's important to know what we say we believe doesn't always match up with what we actually believe. For example, I profess that God has given me this massive strong body, and I believe I should take care of it in a self-disciplined way. But my eating habits betray such a profession. My eating habits indicate I should have pleasure when I want to have pleasure. I should be comfortable when I want to be comfortable. Those are the beliefs that form my actions. What do your actions indicate about what you believe? Now, this can be tricky. You think about Darnay's actions for a moment. He could lay there quiet and still, not because he trusts in the character of his father, but because he has been taught, don't be dramatic. Or he has seen older siblings, when they experience injuries, they are calm and collected, so I should be calm and collected too. Him being calm and collected may be less about trust in his father and more about replicating the behaviors of others or more trying to fit in to do what is right. Reflecting on what I believe can sometimes be challenging for people who have been part of a church much of their life. They have been formed in a context where it is natural to act with behaviors and actions that indicate biblical belief, but their actions may be more about right behavior than trust in God's works and his ways. This is why the term deconstruction has become so big in the church. As individuals get older, they realize oh, I was just acting out of, out of the convictions of my parents. I was just trying to fit in. Those weren't really my convictions. So it's important to ask, why do you live the way you live? What do your actions reveal about what you believe? What is the statement of faith that drives your actions? I believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Do we believe that, or do we believe in doing what I want to do? Do we believe in the power of self-sufficiency and self-reliance? As I reflect on what it means for me as a Christian to believe in the character and promises of a big God rather than a small self, one of the implications is that I will sometimes do crazy kinds of things in comparison to others. That happens because I believe in different things. I reject self-sufficiency. I reject finding ultimate meaning and life in earthly things. The battle in Ukraine has caught the attention of many of us in recent months. We are perplexed by people who, rather than take steps to survive... Rather than flee from what may likely lead to death, they fight. Because they believe in something more than mere earthly survival. They believe in something more than self-preservation. They believe in something beyond cost-benefit ratios that focus on self. For a Christian, belief in something that can't be seen or bigger than my individual life, or what is beyond what I experience materially on earth, it doesn't make sense to others. Because what others believe in is often self-focused or at the very least, earthly-focused. Biblical belief is not earthly-focused and it is not self-focused. So in describing the faith of people like Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob, this faith of belief in the character of God, trust in his promises, It plays out in longing and desire. Here's verses 13 through 16 of chapter 11. These all died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised. But they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they were thinking about where they came from, They would have had an opportunity to return, but now they desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. God is not ashamed. He has created them to long for and desire a heavenly city. He is preparing and building that city. Biblical belief is looking at the world and knowing it is broken. It is fractured. It is fallen. It is believing and acting in accordance with the belief we were made by God to experience something more. Biblical belief does not ultimately long for an ideal earthly kingdom or some form or shape of the American dream Biblical belief demonstrates kingdoms of this earth ultimately point to a far better kingdom. That is the better country that you and I long for and the better country that you and I live for. In professing the creed, in living like those mentioned in Hebrews 11, I'm trusting in the character and works and ways of something much bigger than myself. There is no I in what I believe. But one of the things this chapter highlights and one of the things the creed highlights in beginning with the words I believe, I do come to belief as an individual person. I come to belief as an I. It is not my parents' faith or my church's faith that forms how I act. I develop particular conclusions about life and meaning and purpose as an individual. Hebrews 11 describes so many eyes, individuals who lived by faith. In the brief section we explored, the list included Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Sarah. One of my favorite lines in Hebrews that we did not read in chapter 11 is verse 32 What more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell you about. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, all of these individual persons that believe, I come to faith as an individual. But another thing highlighted in the Creed, and in this section of Hebrews, I do not remain an eye. I become part of a community. The creed in professing what I believe about Jesus acknowledges I'm part of a larger group of people. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only son, our Lord. That language, our, it means as I profess what I believe, as I live out what I believe, I do not stand alone. There is no I in what I believe. I am not isolated. I do not live as though it's Jesus and me. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. Something we'll talk more about in future weeks if that language makes you a little twitchy. Here's how the author concludes chapter 11, which is actually the first couple verses in chapter 12. Notice all of the we and us language. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that leads before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So there is no I in what I believe, but there is a we. Perhaps we should say, "I believe." That was a bad joke. That was a bad joke. I had I had hospitality a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "Well, let me, let me let me that bad idea." So we come we come to faith. We come to belief or faith as individuals, but we do not remain. Individuals as Christians, we do not remain isolated and alone. We become part of a diverse global community that has existed throughout time. We are part of a people that has trusted in the power and authority of a big God for centuries. Christ has bound us to others by His blood. Author Ben Myers, in his book on the Apostles' Creed, captures: "We may come to faith as an eye, but we do not remain an eye." In baptism, nobody is invited to come up with their own personal statement of belief. All are invited to be immersed into a reality beyond themselves and to join their individual voices to a communal voice that transcends them all. The truest and most important things we can ever say are not individual words, but communal words. In confessing the faith of the church, I allow my individual eye to become part of the eye of the body of Christ. In professing belief in the character and work of God, rather than the work of self, we do not remain isolated and alone. We are part of a global church. If we had more time, we could explore all the diversity represented in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. You have individuals who are really old, Noah and Enoch, and individuals who are young, the parents of Moses. You have men like Abraham and women like Sarah. You have people rooted in the Jewish faith like Isaac and those who are Gentiles like Rahab. This we community we are a part of, it is not uniform, it is diverse. This type of community is not beyond, excuse me, this type of community is beyond being formed by individual efforts. This global community is formed by a God who unites people of all nations, of all tribes, of all tongues, of all backgrounds, men and women, young and old, into one body. And professing the creed, this is the God we express belief in. As I conclude this morning, I want to clarify one thing about how there is no I in what I believe. We do come to faith as individuals. And if you're like me, there is a part of you that may think of people of faith as superstars. I mean, in this list of names in Hebrews, you have people like Moses, known for leading the people of God across the Red Sea. Enoch is known for being taken up to heaven. King David is known for ruling over God's people but these individuals were not perfect. They struggled with sin. Their lives reflected their need for the perfect work of Christ. Some want to say, believing is something that I do. It is a work. There is very much an I in I believe. Saying I believe, we are expressing what we trust in which means we do not trust in our profession of faith. We trust in what our profession of faith points to. So some of us, because we know the fickleness and the fear that exists in our hearts, we doubt. We, we struggle to confidently profess faith in the ways and works of a big God. We are weak. Listen to pastor and author Tim Keller in his book, Center Church, it's easy to assume that being saved by faith means that God will now love us because of the depth of our repentance and faith. But that is to once again subtly make ourselves our own Savior rather than Jesus. Imagine two people boarding an airplane. One person has almost no faith in the plane or the crew and is filled with fear and doubts. The other has great confidence in the plane and the crew. They both enter the plane, fly to a destination, and get off the plane safely. One person had a hundred times more faith in the plane than the other did, but they were equally safe. It wasn't the amount of their faith, but the object of their faith, the plane and the crew, that kept them from suffering harm and arriving safely at their destination. So much of the time, we want to we compare the belief or the faith we have with others. We're not like Moses. We're not like Abraham. We're not like Noah. We didn't labor to build a boat to rescue mankind. We're not as spiritual as Pastor Chris or Pastor Paul or our gospel community leaders. We take our eyes off of our great God, and we put them on our small self. See, I say the creed, but my faith is not perfect. I struggle with doubts. I sometimes feel like I'm isolated and alone to do my battles. I sometimes feel like I have been abandoned. I sometimes feel like my sins are too weighty to be forgiven. I'm a pastor. I should know better. It is not the depth of my faith that saves me. It is the object of my faith. This is why the only action expressed by a person in the Christian creed is I believe. Being a Christian is not about what I do. It is not about what I accomplish. It is about what we place our faith in or what we trust in for life, meaning, and purpose So for those of you with a feeble and fragile faith, for those of you that struggle with fear and anxiety to to have assurance and confidence that Jesus has saved you, hear the good news. It is not the strength of your faith that saves you. When we come to the foot of the cross, We surrender trusting in self. We see all that God has done for us in Christ, and we trust in his work and his mercy and his victory over sin and death. When we are confronted with the love of Christ, all he has done for us, there is certainly no I in what I believe. In professing I believe, We are rejecting trusting in self. We are rejecting trying to earn a particular standing with God. We are rejecting that I define myself and my purpose and we are rejecting earning our own righteousness. I am affirming, yeah, there is something wrong with me. Yes, there is something wrong with the world, but I am not the hope of the world, thank God. The work of my God is, I trust in his work. I trust in him restoring and repairing what is broken. I trust in him to make all things new, including me. Let's pray.